Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good afternoon to those on the East Coast, on the, the central region of the United States, on the West Coast is still morning. My name is Kennard Brown. I'm the host of the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. Today we're going to talk about how God will grant you the desires of your mind. And this is found in Psalm chapter 37, verses 3 to 4. But as always, before I get into this program, if there's any significant events happening in the world, um, I must tell you about it according to uh, Luke chapter 21. Let's um, all turn there, those who have their Bibles in front of them. Um, Luke chapter 21 starting in verse 34. I'm going to read this in the um, 1965 Bible and Basic English Version for clarity's sake. It says, Luke chapter 21, verse 34, But give attention to yourselves for fear that your hearts become, or your minds become overfull of the pleasures of food and wine and the cares of this life, and that day may come on you suddenly and take you as in a net. So you don't want to be attached to this world and its ways or the people that live like the world. Verse 35, for so it will come on all those who are living on the face of the earth. And, of course, those who don't live God's way of life is going to come as a surprise, too. Verse 36, but keep watch at all times with prayer. This is the reason why you have to have a relationship with God. If you don't have a relationship with God, if you're not praying and Bible studying, uh, that's how God talks to you through Bible study, and you talk to, to him by responding to that Bible study and and uh, asking him to help you understand what you just read. But keep watch at all times with prayer that you may be strong enough to come through all these things and take your place before the Son of Man. What things? The things that are going to happen in this 21st century. The things as I'm speaking that's happening right now. We have ships and all kind of military armaments being prepared in the Middle East as I'm speaking. Um, things are really heating up, folks, and God knows. He knows this one thing about us as human beings, unfortunately. We turn to Isaiah chapter 26, starting in verse 9. Uh, I may go over. I set this program for 60 minutes, and I probably will go over it. So if I do, I'll be interrupted, but you can hear the, the rest of the program in its entirety after I'm done. Uh, which I estimate uh, is 103 Eastern Standard Time. I'm probably going to be done uh, by 2.30, hopefully sooner than that. But this is an important message that I'm going to get out, uh, that I must get out, because many people around the world, they wonder why God does not give them what they want. Well, 
and when they want it. So I'm, I'm hoping to address that today. Many people need to understand that. Anyway, I had to learn the hard way in my life. I've lived in this world for 46 years, and I've had to learn the hard way that I must do things God's way if I expect to get anything. So, and hopefully after this Bible study, you'll understand that. But anyway, Isaiah chapter 26, starting in verse 9. This is, uh, I'm going to read this in the um, 1965 Bible and Basic English Version for clarity's sake. In the night, the desire of my soul has been for you. Now, this is interesting. This is Isaiah speaking, the prophet Isaiah. He says, in the night, the desire of my soul has been for you. Early will my spirit be searching for you. So here's somebody, obviously, who took God seriously, one of the greatest prophets of who ever lived, Isaiah, who got sawed in half, by the way. That's how bad he loved God. He was willing to get sawed in half for him. Um, in the night, the desire of my soul has been for you. Early will my spirit be searching for you. For when your punishments come on the earth, the people of the world will get the knowledge of righteousness. And that's what it's leading to, folks. Many people, they think God is boring. They think God is not uh, very exciting to them. Well, I tell you what, for those who think that way, your punishments will be exciting. Oh, yes, and, and, and the destruction of the world uh, will get your attention. That It definitely will. So you better start taking God serious, folks, or those who think that way will be wrapped up in this mess, and you will not be counted worthy to escape all these things if you don't start praying and keeping watch over your, your spirituality and also be aware of the conditions of the world. You need to, to be aware of the conditions of the world. You live in the world. You should be concerned about it. Uh, Proverbs chapter 22 Verse 3, uh, the 1965 Bible, and basic in his version, it says, The sharp man, or woman, sees the evil and takes cover. The simple go on straight and get into trouble. So, you know, God wants you to, you know, for those ministries, they teach incorrectly that, oh, uh, on the Sabbath we should put our head in the sand. No, not in these uh, uh, times right now. You need to get your head out of the sand, and you need to understand what's going on. You need to understand what's going on and prepare accordingly um, for the tremendous problems that will occur on this earth. He doesn't want you being in the dark about any of these things. So, And, and we need to uh, provoke each other to good works as we see these, these uh, horrific times occurring here on, on this earth. And, and God means what he says now. He, he wants to be obeyed. And look, we all got our minds, and we can do what we want and so forth, but uh, you need to understand something. You're going to be responsible for whatever decision that you make. And, you know, God is pleading with you. I'm pleading with you to do Teshuvah, to repent, and to start to take him seriously. Because if you don't, you, you're just going to suffer. You're going to suffer unnecessarily. We're all going to suffer anyway. But... More times than not, we put suffering on ourselves because we do not want to obey him. We don't want to obey him. We want to do things our way. And you can't do it your way. Our way doesn't work. <laughs> if it did, God would tell us. But our ways do not work. And we have to do it his way. That's the lesson that I hope that you learn today in this Bible study. In Hebrews 10, verse 25. 
it tells us plainly, I'm reading this in the King James Version, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as a matter of some end. You can forsake the assembly when someone shows you that you can assemble with someone, whether it's online and you don't want to do it. You're forsaking the assembly of other Torah-observing people. And and that's sin when you do that, as a matter of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What day is it talking about? Well, let's continue on. Verse 26, for if we sin willfully after that, we have received the knowledge of the truth. What's the truth? Psalm 119, verse 142. The truth is the Torah, the teachings and doctrines of God. There remains no more sacrifice for sins. In other words, the, 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 the Christ's sacrifice doesn't make a difference in your life if you want to continue to sin. What is sin? Sin is the transgression of the law. Sin is the transgression of the law. And, and verse 27, but a certain fearful looking for judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. So, you know, there, yeah, sure, Jesus sacrificed his life for all of mankind, but he didn't sacrifice his life for you to go ahead and continue to sin. And, and most people don't understand that. Most people don't understand that. They don't understand that you must repent, that you must obey God. And 1 John 3, verse 4, if you want a flat definition of sin, it's right in your Bible. Whoever commits sin transgresses also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. So you can't sin. And that's very important. And I want to make another point here. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Well, the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. Verse 2, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they shall sell peace, when they shall say, rather, peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as to avail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, or we shouldn't be anyway, that that day should overtake you as a thief. For you are all the children of the light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others. Most of the people in the world are asleep right now. They don't know what's about to happen here. Okay, as do others, but let us watch and be sober. He's talking about spiritually, sir, uh, spiritually sober and also being aware of what's going on in the world and how it affects you uh, socioeconomically. Socioeconomics is the the uh, the studies of how to live, how to make a living. That's as simple as I can put it. Okay, verse seven: For they that sleep sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken at night. He's talking about spiritual and physical drunkenness. Verse 8, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. So we have to be attuned to God, and you're not going to be attuned to God if you don't do daily Bible study or prayer. You're not going to have a relationship with God, and you will not be counted worthy to escape the things that are about to occur in the future. Now, before I get into the Bible study, I have to read some important things to you, and I hope you pay attention to me. It's not too many people telling you what I'm about to tell you, folks, in the context of the Bible. This article was online, CNN Money, and the title of the article, you can Google this, Low-Paying Jobs Are Here to Stay. Uh, this article is by Tammy Lovby, August 2, 2012. She wrote this uh, while she was in New York. Stuck in a job with lousy pay, better get used to it. Some 28% of workers are expected to hold low-wage jobs in 2020, and this is 2020, roughly the same percentage of study by the Economic Policy Institute. The study defines low-paying jobs as those with wages at or below what full-time workers must earn, the poverty level for a family of four. In 2011, that was $23,005 or $11.06 an hour. 
It says the economy won't support much growth in jobs with higher salaries. And it says far too many economic pundits, and these are people that pose to know this and pose to know that, take for granted that the economy of the future will demand far more credentials. So that's the reason why I'm getting more credentials. That's the reason why other people need to get more credentials. Get your degrees. Get your uh, uh, go to trade schools. Get get more trades because it's more difficult now to uh, hold on to a decent paying job. And it's, it's only going to get worse, folks. It's not going to get any better unless we repent as a nation. And it says uh, farming, personal care, building, and grounds maintenance and health care support. It says four to five occupations with the highest concentration of low-salary jobs are set to grow. And those are the, um, the, the lower-salary jobs, farming, personal care, building, and grounds maintenance and health care support. So it's, it's, this is just sad, folks. And, you know, people are questioning, and they should. It says they will start asking whether college is worth it. And it says also since low-wage workers are better educated now than they have been in the past, college is is a questionable expense. And it says if workers are making low wages, they can't afford to shop and prop up the economy. And, you know, consumer spending is quite a bit of the economy right now. And if that goes, then then this whole economy is going to fall apart. And that's what's about to occur, folks, unless, of course, God has mercy on us and, and, and we repent. But I don't see that happening. We still like to do our sin. We still like to, to do other things. Now, uh, this website is a helpful website to go to. It's the economic collapse. Are you prepared for the coming economic collapse in the next Great Depression? Uh, it's the economiccollapseblog.com. Uh, it has very high ranking. And uh, the 21st, 21st, 291st website on the Internet. So that's pretty high. And the headline to this is Startling Evidence that central banks and Wall Street insiders are rapidly preparing for something big. This is a very critical blog. I suggest you read this to keep up with what's going on. If you want to figure out what is going to happen next in the, in the financial markets, carefully watch what the insiders are doing. Those that are connected have access to far better sources of information than the rest of us have. And if they hear that something big is coming up, they will often make very significant moves with their money in anticipation of what is about to happen. Right now, and please listen to this, folks. Right now, Wall Street insiders and central banks all around the globe are making very unusual moves. In fact, they appear to be rapidly preparing for something really big. So exactly what are they up to? In a previous article entitled, Are the Government and the Big Banks Quietly Preparing for an Imminent Financial Collapse? I speculated that they may be preparing for a financial meltdown of some sort. As I noted in the article, more than 600 banking more than, listen to this, folks. Please listen to what I'm saying. As I noted in that article, more than 600 banking executives have resigned from their positions over the past 12 months. Let me underscore and repeat that again. As I noted in that article, more than 600, 600 banking executives have resigned from their positions over the past 12 months. And I have been personally told that a substantial number of Wall Street bankers have been shopping for prepper properties this summer. But now, even more evidence has emerged that quiet preparations are being made for imminent financial collapse. That doesn't guarantee that something will happen or won't happen like any good detective. We are gathering clues and trying to figure out what the evidence is telling us. So, you know, folks, 
we, you know, I'm hearing this all over the Internet. You can just type in financial collapse. You'll get all kinds of articles, all kinds of articles. Now, the subheading to this article, why is George Soros selling so much stock and buying so much gold? I am certainly not a fan of George Soros. He has funneled millions upon millions of dollars into organizations that are trying to take America in the exact wrong direction. However, however, I do recognize that he is extremely well-connected in the financial world. Soros is almost always ahead of the curve on financial matters, and if something big is going down, George Soros is probably going to know about it ahead of time. This is why it is very alarming that he has dumped all of his banking stocks and that he is massively hoarding gold. And this is this is uh, very very uh, illuminating here. It says why would you dump over a million shares of stock and major banks and purchase more than one hundred million dollars worth of gold? Well, it would make perfect sense if you believe that a collapse of the financial system was about to happen. Now, this is a quote from the man himself, George Soros. George Soros, rather. Uh, he told Newsweek this. It says, I am not here to cheer you up. The situation is about as serious and difficult as I've experienced in my career, Soros tells Newsweek. We are facing an extremely difficult time, comparable in many ways to the 1930s, the Great Depression. We are facing now a general retrenchment in the developed world, which threatens to put us in a decade of more stagnation or worse. The best case scenario is a deflationary environment. The worst case scenario is a collapse of the financial system. So this is George Soros, and and it looks like he's putting his money where his mouth is at. He says perhaps even more disturbing is what he believes is coming after the financial collapse. As anger rises, riots on the streets of American cities are inevitable. Yes, 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 he says, almost gleefully. The response to the unrest could be more damaging than the violence itself. It will be an excuse for cracking down and using strong-arm tactics to maintain law and order, which carried to an extreme could bring about a repressive political system, a society where individual liberty is much more constrained, which would be a break with the tradition of the United States. That doesn't sound good. You can read the, the rest of the article in its entirety. I just want to to tell you folks that you need to start preparing. The America that you know is going to be, you're not going to know what America is pretty soon, folks. I can't predict what time, but like I said, unless this nation repents, which right now I don't see that happening anytime soon, uh, this country you're not going to even recognize the United States very soon. You just you're just not going to recognize the United States and it's sad. But this is our collective sins doing this. Our collective sins are doing this. I'm looking at watch.org right now and I'm looking at these articles. It says Iran is simply not afraid of the United States, says Israel's former military intelligence chief. And you know, these it's just a very trying time, folks, and, and I'm just trying to to reason with you and, and to help you to understand that you must start taking him serious. God will use punishments if necessary to get your attention, but you shouldn't have to want to go through those punishments. It doesn't make any sense to go through pain when you can be forewarned about what's going on. All right, let's get into the Bible study here. How many minutes I have left here? Um, I might be able to get this done. In the time that I have, we'll see. I have 40 minutes. All right, receiving the desires of your mind. 
in my 46 years of life, I've heard many times, well, you know, I want this, I want that. How come God doesn't give me this? I've, I've, I've complained to him myself many times. Uh, how come God is not going to give me this? How come it takes so long for him to do that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, with God, folks, things take time. You have to be patient with him. If you're not patient with him, he is definitely not going to give you what you desire. And, and you've got to understand that none of us deserve to live anyway in the first place. And we we have to understand that. Let's turn to James chapter 1. And this is interesting because I know our peoples have a problem with patience. Uh, obviously, God knows that as well. And we need to, collectively as a whole, we need to repent of this impatience. I experience it a lot when I'm driving people impatient. <laughs> Uh, and, and, and it's a sin not to be patient. We have to be patient. And this book, of course, this epistle is addressed to the 12 tribes, uh, which are scattered abroad. And they are scattered abroad, and one of those tribes are uh, the United States, or they consist of one of the 12 tribes of Israel. You may think I'm crazy for saying that, but uh, I'm not. And it can be proved. You can go to your Davidi's website, www.b as in boy, R-I-T-A-M dot org, to, to get secular, outside the Bible, and biblical proof that the United States is part of um, Israel. One of the simplest proofs that I use, uh, hold your place here, and let's turn to uh, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 32. God calls the 12 tribes in Israel a unique nickname. Uh, let me start in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 13. One of the characteristics of Israel is that Israel consists of a people that are fat and and have a lot of resources. And let me ask you this question. Where do those people exist on the earth geographically right now? Anyway, Deuteronomy chapter 32, starting in verse 13. He made him ride on the high places of the earth. So we have uh, the best of the earth, that he might eat the increase of the fields, and he made him to suck honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock. We have a lot of oil reserves here in the United States that we don't use. Verse 14 of Deuteronomy chapter 32, Butter of kine and milk of sheep with fat of lambs and rams of the breed of Bashan and goats with the fat of kidneys of wheat. We have plenty of wheat here in the United States. And thou didst drink the pure blood of the grape. Verse 15, But Jezreel waxed fat and kicked, and thou art waxing fat, Thou art grown thick. Thou art covered with fatness. Then he forsook God, which made him, and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. So that's one of the proofs of who Israel is. That's one of the characteristics of Israel. You, they ha have all these resources, all this food, and they fat. Okay? And and though the United States, Canada, the countries in northwestern Europe, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, they have the most food um resources in the world. If you go to my website, go to my website. Uh, I'm going to go there now. Go to my website, mercifulserviceofgod.com. If you're by a PC, just go ahead and do that. Go to my website. I want to prove something to you, mercifulserviceofgod.com. And then if you go to um, where is it? World Hunger Map, click to the menu, World Hunger Map. This is designed by the United Nations to show you where the food concentrations are at around the world. I don't know if they changed this website. It looks like they did. No, okay, here we go. All right. 
when you look at this, this is the uh, World Food Program food procurement map. Uh, the United States is green. <laughs> Canada is green. North America, with the exception of South America, is not green. Um, the countries in Northwestern Europe are green. Uh, some parts of Europe are green. Okay? So that's where the majority of foods are located around the world. So I just wanted to tell you about that. All right, let's go back to what I'm talking about here. All right, so that's a proof that we are of Israel, folks, just on that alone. All right, and these verses prove that and just verified that map. Um, Europe is, is, and, and those other countries of, Northwest, of, of Europe have benefited from Britain, uh, which ruled the world at one time before the United States took it over after World War II. So the British Commonwealth of Nations and the United States combined are the most powerful group of nations around the world, and, and we have the most resources. And because God blessed us with that, and and all those areas consist of the tribes of Israel, as here Davidi's website proves. But I, you know, I have a simple proof. I, I just go over who are the fattest and richest people in the world. He has the, the most resources and, and and are fat. It's us. <laughs> so anyway, getting back to James, James, chapter one. To so address this to the twelve tribes of Israel. This epistle is for for today, as it was back then. Verse two: My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various temptations. And, and most believers, they don't count it into joy when they fall into. You know, I had a hard, difficult time understanding the scripture. I understand it now, because it's joy because you know when Christ said, and, and held your place here. Let's turn to Matthew, Matthew chapter five. Uh, Matthew 5, verse 10, he says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And, and that word blessed in the original Greek, it means uh, to be happy. Happy. You should be happy. <laughs> you should be happy when you are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven for the so persecuted day of prophets which were before you. So, you know, that, that and, and, and I really do, I'm starting to understand that in a way that I never have before. And and uh, I have no reason to, to be upset when people persecute me and, and say all manner of evil because uh, he says right here in Luke chapter uh, 6, verse 22, Blessed are ye when men shall hate you and when they shall separate you from their company and shall reproach you and cast you out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Verse 23, rejoice you in that day and leap for joy. Why Why should I leap for joy? For behold, your reward is great in heaven, for in, in, the, in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. Okay, so I should be jumping for joy because of that. So, and then I want to read the scripture when he says, woe. Yeah, right here in verse 26 says, woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you. Because some people think that, oh, if you're a righteous person, everybody's going to speak well of you. No, no, they're not. <laughs> Verse 26, he says, danger unto you when all men shall speak well of you. For so did their fathers to the false prophets. So that's because uh, somebody uh, is talking, spoken um, 
well of doesn't mean that that person's righteous, and the, and the opposite can be the, be the same case as well. So you got to be careful. You can't assume things. All right, getting back to James, chapter 1. It says in verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various temptations. Verse 3, Knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. That's the second doctrine of God. Trust in God. Sure, it's believing in God, but also the Bible definition of it is the evidence of things not seen. Um, Tom believed that Jesus was resurrected or Yeshua was resurrected because he's seen him. But Jesus plainly stated, blessed are those who believe and yet has not seen me. So that's when the Bible says, when it says faith is the evidence of things not seen. That's the Bible definition of faith or trust. Uh, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. Verse 4, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So let me just pause here to help you understand this scripture. God is telling you, you tribes of Israel, you spoiled tribes of Israel, okay? And he's telling anyone else, but he's definitely addressing this first to the 12 tribes of Israel. He's telling you because he knows we're spoiled and we know we're impatient and we don't want to wait for nothing, Okay? He's telling us, let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting or lacking nothing. Okay? If you're not willing to wait, God is telling you you're going to lack something. You're going to lack something. Okay? And he's talking about your basic needs, not your, your wants, that you can consume it upon your own lust. Okay? He's talking about your basic needs. If you refuse to be patient. So I just wanted to underscore that. Now, Psalm chapter 37. It's a beautiful psalm. Beautiful psalm. has a lot of meaning to it. I'm going to read this in the um, 1965 Bible and Basic Indian Version here. Uh, psalm 37 verse 1. It says, Do not be angry, because of the wrongdoers, or hate envy, oh, I'm sorry, do not be angry of the wrongdoers, or have envy of the workers of evil. Don't be jealous of people that do evil things. Verse 2, for they will quickly be cut down like the grass, and become dry like the green plants. Verse 3, of Psalm 37, have faith in the Lord, and do good. That's how you have faith and trust in God, by doing good. Be at rest in the land and go after righteousness. Don't go after wickedness. Go after righteousness. Verse 4. If you do, this is what's going to happen. So will your delight be in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. So that's the key, folks. You have to seek righteousness. That's how you will start to have delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Of course, he doesn't tell you when or how, but he will. Verse 5, put your life in the hands of the Lord. Have faith in him, and, and he will do it. Verse 6, and he will make your righteousness be seen like the light, and your cause like the shining of the sun. Take your rest in the Lord, waiting quietly for him. Like I told you, you have to be patient. Do not be angry because of the man who does well in his evil ways and gives effect to his bad designs. Put an end to your wrath and be no longer bitter. Do not give way to angry feeling, which is a cause of sin. He's talking about uncontrollable anger. Verse 9, for the evildoers will be cut off, but those who have faith in the Lord will have the earth for their heritage. Verse 10, for in a short time the evildoer will be gone. You will go searching for his place, 
and it will not be there. But the gentle will have the earth for their heritage. They will take their delight in peace without measure. The sinner has evil designs against the upright, lifting up the voice of wrath against them. Verse 13, he will be laughed at by the Lord who sees that his day is coming. Verse 14, the evildoers have taken out their swords, their bows are bent for crushing the poor, and to put to death those who are upright in their ways. Verse 15, but their swords will be turned into their hearts, and their bows will be broken. Verse 16, the little which the good man has is better than the wealth of evildoers. Verse 17, for the arms of the evildoers will be broken, but the Lord is the support of the good. Verse 18, the days of the upright are numbered by the Lord, and their heritage will be forever. They will not be shamed in the evil time, and in the days when all are in need of food, they will have enough. Did you hear that? Let me repeat that. Verse 19. They will not be shamed in the evil time, and in the days when are all and and in the days when all are in the need of food, which looks like will happen uh in this country, uh, I don't know when, but it's gonna happen, it looks like, unless we repent. When all are in need of food, they will have enough. He's talking about the righteous will have enough food, miraculously. Verse 20. But the wrongdoers will come to destruction, and the haters of the Lord will be like the fat of lambs. They will, be, they will be burnt up. They will go up in smoke and never again be seen. So they will be totally destroyed, the wicked. Verse 21. The sinner takes money and does not give it back, but the upright man has mercy and gives to others. Those who have his blessing will have the earth for their heritage, but those who are cursed by him will be cut off. Verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he takes delight in his way. So you have to be righteous to have your steps directed by the Lord, folks. Verse 24, even if he has a fall, he will not be without help, for the hand of the Lord is supporting him. You want the Lord to support you, not be against you, folks. I have been young and now I'm old, but I have not seen the good man without help or his children looking for bread. The righteous man's children is not going to be seeking for bread because the righteous man, uh, his father, who is the righteous man, will be looking for bread for him. Verse 26, all the day he is ready to have mercy and to give. His children are a blessing. And that's interesting because, uh, you know, I had someone ask me, well, you know, when should we give? And that's one scripture that I need to, <laughs> Psalm 37, Psalm 37, verse 46, I need to put that in my article. It says, uh, all the day he is ready to have mercy and to give. So you should be ready to give at all times. His children are our blessing. Verse 27, be turned from evil and do good, and your place will be forever. For the Lord is a lover of righteousness and takes care of his saints. They will be kept safe forever, but the seed of evildoers will be cut off. The upright will have the earth for their heritage and will go on living there forever. The mouth of the good man says words of wisdom. The talk of his tongue is of righteousness. The law of God is in his mind or heart. He will never make a false step. The sinners are watching the upright man, desiring to put him to death. The Lord will not give him into their hands or be against him when he is judged. Be waiting for the Lord. Again, you have to be patient. Be waiting for the Lord and keep his way, and you will be lifted up and have the land for your inheritance. When the evildoers are cut off, you will see it. Verse 35, I have seen the evildoer in great power, covering the earth like a great tree, but he came to an end. And there was no sign of him. I made a search for him, and he was not there. Give attention to the, in other words, pay attention to the good man and take note of the upright, because the end of that man is peace, is peace. Verse 38, but as for the sinners, they will be cut off together. The end of the wrongdoers is destruction. But the Lord is the Savior of the upright. He is their strength in the time of trouble. Verse 40, and the Lord will be their help and keep them safe. 
He will take them out of the hands of the evildoers and be their savior because they had faith. There we go again with faith. Trust in him, which is the evidence of things not seen. Believing in God without seeing him. Believing that he's going to do what he says without seeing evidence of it. That's what faith is. Okay. So, the answer to the question, well, how do we get God to give us the desires of our hearts? First of all, our desires have to be in line with righteousness, folks. He's not going to give you wicked desires. In some cases uh, in in the Bible, uh, let me see if I can find that scripture. I was talking to my wife about it earlier. But you don't want to you don't want to get to this point, folks, um, because you just don't want to get to this point. Let me see if I can find it here. Let's see. Here we go. First Corinthians chapter five. Or, let me start in uh, so you understand the context of this. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, turn there, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. It is reported commonly that there is fornication, that fornication is any sexual sin, um, basically. And it describes what the fornication is here. Uh, and fornication in the original Greek means pornilia, that's where we get pornography from. So it is reported commonly that there is pornography or pornilia or fornication among you, and, and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles, unfortunately, that one should have his father's wife. I mean, this is this is sad. Um, you have a son having sex with his mother. I mean, that's sad. That that is totally abominable. But anyway, verse two, and you are all puffed up and have not rather mourned. So this is an example. Here they are allowing this sin. And they're not doing anything about it. They're just like, oh, they're okay. <laughs> and you are all puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that have done this deed might be taken away from you. Anybody that's doing something that wicked doesn't need to be around you. Verse 3, for I verily as, as absent in the body but present in spirit have judged already. In other words, he didn't judge them. He made it a proper evaluation. And that evaluation is that these people, are pretenders, not believers, and they need to be excommunicated from their assembly until they repent. Have judged already as though I were present concerning him that has so done this deed. Verse 4, In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together in my spirit with which the, which, and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the Spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. So what God will do in this situation, they desire to to have sex uh, illegally, so God got rid of them of the assembly and let Satan get a hold of them. So hopefully through the suffering and through, through the pain of doing it the devil's way, that they may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. And so that's an example of him giving you desires uh, to be able to, to have a positive result. That result, of course, uh, you hopefully repenting from your wickedness. And, and that's the reason why there's punishing, folks. That's the reason why God punishes us. In Hebrews 12, verse 11, it states this, Now no chastening for the present seem to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. So God will allow you to, to, to allow the devil to get a hold of you so that hopefully you realize that going the devil's way only brings destruction, only brings pain, and then you repent of that. 
So the devil is, is used as a tool to, to help you to repent. So so it, it should, that's, that's um, the way the devil is used. And again, he, uh, there's another statement here about uh, delivering someone, um, delivering them to the devil right here in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 19. Holding faith and a good conscience, which some have which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Okay, that's another statement there about delivering uh, to Satan, and God will do that. He'll deliver you to the devil so that you'll learn uh, obedience through suffering. And I try to, to convince people that I love not to be delivered unto Satan and have to go through unnecessary sufferings. But, hey, you know, if that's the, what it's going to take, it's going to take that. All right, anyway, so we've learned so far that you have to have patience, and uh, we've talked about the desires of your mind and that they must line up with God, and if they don't, then the devil, if, and if you're harming yourself or others, he, uh, God will allow the devil to get a hold of you. Uh, and through the sufferings of the devil, that, that, the, that the devil will put on you, that eventually you'll repent. All right, back to um, James chapter 4. James chapter 4. I'm going to read this in the um, 1965 uh, basic uh, Bible and basic English version here. It says, What is the cause of wars and fighting or disagreements among you? Is it not in your desires which are at war in your bodies? Verse 2, you are burning with desire, and you have not your desires. So you put men to death, and you are full of envy, and you are not able to get your desire. So you are fighting or you know, disagreeing and making war. Making war is not just hitting up, hitting people and shooting people. It's also disagreeing in the wrong way. There's righteous disagreements and there's unrighteous. And this is talking about unrighteous disagreements. Uh, righteous agreements are, are okay. Well, I disagree, and you disagree. Let's let's seek God's word and, and find an agreement. Those are righteous uh, disagreements because you're seeking the, God's word to to end the disagreement. But when you're, you're disagreeing and you're not using God's um, authority, uh, which is the Bible, to to end the agreement, that's when it's wicked. And this is what it's talking about: unrighteous uh, disagreements. You are full of envy, and you are not able to get your desire, so you are fighting and making war. You have not your desire because you do not make a request for it. Verse 3, now pay attention to this. You make a request, but you don't get it because your request has been wrongly made. Desiring the thing only so that you may make use of it for your own pleasure. God is not going to give you your desires, folks, if they don't line up with his commandments. Let's read this again. Verse 3. You make your request, but you do not get it, because your request has been wrongly made. Desiring the thing only so that you may make use of it for your own pleasure. If you ever wonder why God doesn't give you your desire, another major reason why he doesn't do it. One reason because he wants you to be patient, but another reason is because in a lot of cases, and I've been guilty of this, or I'm sure we all have been guilty of this, um, we ask wrongly. We have a, a wicked request, and God is not going to give you your wicked request uh, unless it's the case, of course, he lets the devil get a hold of you so that you'll be able to repent. Verse 4 of James chapter 4. 
Oh, you who are false to God, do you not see that the friends of this world are not God's friends? And that's a good scripture for someone who I hope is listening to this. Oh, you who are false to God, do you not see that the friends of this world are not God's friends? Again, I'm going to repeat it to this individual. Oh, you who are false to God, do you not see that the friends of this world are not God's friends? Every man desiring to be a friend of this world makes himself a hater of God. Let me read that again. Every man or young man desiring to be a friend of this world makes himself a hater of God. Every woman or young woman to everyone desiring to be a friend of this world makes himself a hater of God. Okay, so you can't play these games, folks. You can't yoke yourself with people in the world. God views that in the King James Version. He views that as adultery. James 4, verse 4, spiritual adultery. You adulterers and adulteress. Know you not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. You're being hostile toward God. If you want to yoke with somebody in the world, whoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. And that's really plain there. You make yourself the enemy of God if you're yoking with people in the world. All right? And then in 2 Corinthians, chapter 6. 2 Corinthians, chapter 6. Verse 14, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship have righteousness with unrighteousness? I mean, these scriptures are so plain that a little child can understand them. And when somebody goes against these scriptures, all they're doing is hurting themselves. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship have righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? None. And what concord has Christ with Belial? Or what part have he that believeth with an infidel? as an unbeliever. Verse 16. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? So he looks at the people of God symbolically as a part of his temple. And the people that aren't of God as idols. For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. But if you're yoking yourself with people in the world, you're being, you're, 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 you're an enemy of God. You're yoking with uh, people of the devil, idols. Verse 17, Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. He will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. You can't do it your own way. People that try to yoke themselves with people in the world, all you're doing is making yourself an enemy of God. That's what you're doing. And you do not want to be an enemy of God, folks. You do not want to be an enemy of God. I'm warning you. You don't want to do that. Okay. Psalm 84. Psalm 84. Psalm 84, starting in verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Okay? So this is a very important scripture to understand, folks. Uh, I'm going to read this in the uh, 1965 Bible and Basic English Version. The Lord God is our sun and our strength. The Lord will give grace and glory. He will not keep back anything good. He will not keep back any good thing from those whose ways are upright. Again, let me read this. The Lord God is our sun and our strength. And it's talking about the sun, like the sun in the, in, in the uh, solar system. The Lord 
will give grace and glory. He will not keep back any good thing from those whose ways are upright. So that's the key. Uh, and then verse 12, for those who want to be happy, O Lord of armies, happy is a man whose hope is in you. If you hope in the Lord, you're going to be very happy. But if you're hoping in what you want to do and in the world, you're not going to be very happy. You're not going to be very happy. Uh, Psalm 119. Psalm 119, starting in verse 35. Make me go in the way of your teachings, for they are my delight. You should be delighting in the teachings of God, not in the world. And, and you should not be delighting in what this great God has created uh, that takes you, your mind away from God. But you should be delighting in his teachings, the doctrine, the Torah, what is translated the law of God, the teachings of God. Make me go in the way of your teachings, for they are my delight. They should be your delight. Psalm 145. Psalm 145. Verse 19, to his worshipers he will give their desire. Their cry comes to his ears and he gives them salvation. So what is true worship, folks? Religion. In Psalm in James 1 verse 27 is to care about people who are less fortunate to you, the widows and the fathers as an example, and to keep yourself unspotted from the world. And to keep yourself unspotted from the world means not to yoke yourself with people in the world. You're not keeping yourself unspotted from the world when you want to talk to people who obviously through their actions and their conversation with you do not have gods in their thoughts, do not have God in their thoughts at all. That's not how you, you're not worshiping God the right way. But to the true worshipers, he will give their desire because your desire is, is a righteous desire. Their cry comes to his ears and he gives them salvation. Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah chapter 58, starting in verse 5. Have I given orders for such a day as this, a day for keeping yourselves from pleasure? Is it only a question, and this is, this is in the context of what is called Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement, uh, but it leads also into a Shabbat because the Day of Atonement is like a Shabbat. So uh, uh, Shabbat or Sabbath is the uh, the seventh day of the week where you rest from your labors, as commanded by God or Elohim. Anyway, have I given orders for such a day as this, a day for keeping yourself from pleasure? Is it only a question of the bent head of putting on hair cloth and being seated in the dust? Is this what seems to you a holy day well-pleasing to the Lord? Verse 6, is not this the holy day which I have given orders, to let loose those who have wrongly been made prisoners, to undo the bands of the yoke, and to let the crush go free, and every yoke be broken? Is it not to give your bread to those in need, and to let the poor who have no resting place come into your house, to put a robe on the unclothed one, uh, to put a robe on the unclothed one when you see him, and not to keep your eyes shut for fear of seeing his flesh? Verse 8, then will light be shining on you like the morning, and your wounds will quickly be well. And your righteousness will go, because it's God's righteousness, will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will come after you. So everything will go well with you if you start showing that you care about people. That's what pure worshiping is about, and that's what's talked about in James 1, verse 27. Verse 9, then at the sound of your voice, the Lord will give an answer. At your cry, he will say, here I am, if you take away from from among you the yoke, the putting out of the finger of shame and the evil work, 
In other words, you do teshuva, you repent of your wicked ways. Verse 10, and if you give your bread to those in need of it so that the troubled one may have his desire, then you will have light in the dark and your night will be full of, be as a full light of the sun. And the Lord will be your guide at all times. In dry places he will give you water in full measure and will make strong your bones and you will be like a water garden and like an ever-flowing spring. And your sons will be building again the old waste places. You will make strong the, the bases of old generations and you will be named he who puts up the broken walls and he who makes ready the ways for use. Now, getting to the Sabbath. Verse 13, if you keep the Shabbat with care, not doing your business on my holy day, and if the Sabbath seems to you a delight and the new moon of the Lord a thing to be honored, and if you give respect to him by not doing your business or going after your own pleasure or saying unholy words, then the Lord will be your delight, and I will put you on the high places of the earth, and I will give you the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has said it. And God, unlike a lot of people, don't lie. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 33. But let your, but let your first care be for his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be given to, in addition to you. Okay? So when people complain about food and clothes, uh, God is saying, hey, uh, it says right here. Let me look at the, let me above the, the scriptures here. Um, Matthew chapter 6, verse 27 says, Which of you by taking thought is able to make himself a cubit taller? Verse 28, And why are you troubled about clothing? See the flowers of the field, how they come up. They do no, they do no work. They make no threat. Verse 29, but I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. Matthew 6, verse 30, but if God gives such clothing to the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is put into the oven, will he not much more give you clothing, O you of little faith? Then do not be full of care, saying, what are we to have for food and drink? Or but what may we be clothed? Verse 32, because the Gentiles go in search of all these things. That's all they're concerned about, especially... Um, those in this country and around the world, Gentiles can also spiritually be people that are of God. Uh, for your Father in heaven has knowledge that you have need of all these things. But let your first care be for his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be given to you in addition. Then, then have no care for tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Take the trouble today as it comes. Good advice. And then Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. As I stated, um, I'm probably going to go over here, so uh, you'll hear me cut off, and then um, I should be done, I'm hoping, by 2.30, if not sooner, then you can listen to the program probably around 2.45 in its entirety. Okay, Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 7. Make a request, and it will be answered. What you are searching for, you will get. Give the sign, and the door will be open to you. And this is talking about good or evil. If you seek evil, you'll find it. He's right about that. But think of this in a righteous sense, not an unrighteous sense. Verse 8, because to everyone who makes a request, it will be given. And he who is searching will get his desire. And to him who gives the sign, the door will be open. Again, look at that in a righteous sense, not an unrighteous sense. Okay. Here's another scripture that I, I, I want you to understand. For those who, who want your desires to be uh, fulfilled. They have to be righteous desires, first of all. They can't be wicked desires. Many people don't understand that. 
And this is an excellent translation, and I, and I just hope that people that have a problem being around the wrong company believe God's words here. Uh, and here it is right here, 1965 Bible in basic English. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33, Do not be tricked by false words. Evil company does damage to good behavior. You can have the greatest behavior in the world, but if you're around people that are wicked and, and don't have gods in all their thoughts, uh, and and see, there, what what you don't understand, too, is this scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Many people don't understand this about the devil, but he's very tricky. And in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 13, states this, For such men are false apostles, workers of deceit or trickery, making themselves seem like the apostles of Christ. Verse 14, and it is no wonder, for even the devil himself is able to take the form of an angel of light. <laughs> so he can appear to be good. He can appear to, to, to have your best interest in heart. Then he stabs you in the back. Verse 14, verse 15, so it is no great thing if his servants make themselves seem to be servants of righteousness. They seem to be servants of righteousness, which is keeping the commandments. They seem to want to keep the commandments, whose end will be the reward of their works, which is death in that case. Now, in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13. So you can get to a point, folks, where you can be deceived. You can deceive yourself. And it states that people that deceive themselves have the following characteristics. It says, evil and false men will become worse and worse using deceit and themselves overcome by deceit. Okay, so in the King James Version, I think is a little better translation there. It says, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And so when you start saying, well, I'm going to do my own thing, and I'm going to yoke with somebody, I don't believe what God says, uh, what you're doing basically is deceiving yourself, and, and, and you're deceiving, and then you're de being deceived. You're deceiving yourself, and that's what happens when you get to the point of wickedness. Second uh, Timothy chapter 3. Second Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 1. And this is a prophecy of the 21st century in these last days. Uh, it says, But be certain of this, that in the last days times of trouble will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, uplifted in pride, given to bitter words, going against the authority of their fathers or parents, never giving praise, having no religion, and what is pure religion, according to God, is is uh, basically um, taking care of the poor and keeping yourself unspotted from the world. Verse 3, without natural love, bitter haters, saying evil of others, violent and uncontrolled, hating all good, false to their friends, acting without thought, lifted up in mind, loving pleasure more than God, having a form of religion but turning their backs on the power of it. In other words, they're, they're pretenders and not believers. Verse 6, for these are they who go secretly into houses, making prisoners of foolish women, weighing down with sin, turned from the way, uh, the right way by their evil desires. Verse 7, ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of what is true. And so you can be wise, you can be intelligent, book-wise, but you can you know, ever learn, but you can still not come to the knowledge of the truth. If you run away from the Bible and think it's boring uh, because it's not a video game or something or, or whatever, if, if you do that, then you're not going to be very happy, and you're not going to really learn what you really need to learn, God's will and God's way of life. Okay. Um, Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 to 9. 
Isaiah 55, verses 8 to 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, or your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. But the only way for us to to get to think like him, folks, uh, the Bible reveals how we do that. And it's, and it's through his spirit. And let me see if I can find the scripture here. It's through the spirit of God that we're able to start to think like him. And you have to do that by studying, having a desire to want to study the Bible and learn what the Bible says. And if you don't do that, then you 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 really won't have the ability to change, to do teshuva, to repent. And starting in First Corinthians chapter two, verse nine. But as it says in the holy writings, things which the eye saw not, and which had not come to the ears or into the heart of man, such things as God has made ready for those who have love for Him. Verse 10, but God has given us the revelation of these things through his spirit, for the spirit makes search into all things, even the deep things of God. Verse 11, for who has knowledge of the things of a man but the spirit of the man which is in him? In the same way, no one has knowledge of the things of God but the spirit of God. Verse 12, but we have not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which comes from God, so that we may have knowledge of the things which are freely given to us by God. Verse 13, and these are the things which we say, not in the language of man's wisdom, but in words given to us by the Spirit, judging the things of the Spirit by the help of the Spirit. For the natural man is not able to take in the things of the Spirit of God, for they seem foolish to him. Yeah, and that's true. I mean, people that don't have any desire to study the Bible and pray, they think God is foolish. They think uh, the things of God is foolish. But what it is is the opposite. The, 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 the things of the devil are foolish, but they can't understand it. And he is not able to have knowledge of them because such knowledge comes only through the Spirit. But he who has the Spirit, though judging all things, is himself judged by no one. Verse 16, For who has the knowledge of the mind of the Lord, so as to be his teacher? But we have the mind of Christ. That's where our goal is to have the mind of Christ. Okay. And let's turn to another scripture here. Psalm chapter 37. I'm in the recording now. In the recording mode of the program. Psalm chapter uh, 37. Verse 46. Psalm 30. Okay, is this Psalm or Proverbs? I think it's... Oh, yeah. Okay. Psalm 37, verse 36. But he came to an end, and there was no sign of him. I made a search for him, and he was not there. I think this is the wrong... Wait a minute, 46. It must be... Hmm. I don't know what scripture is this that... Hmm. I think I made an error here. Okay. It's Psalm 37, verse 26. All the day he is ready to have mercy and to give. His children are a blessing. So I think I quoted that scripture earlier about how often we should give. We should be always ready to give. Okay, so let's talk about, in closing here, and a few other scriptures, the way of righteousness. What What is the way of righteousness, folks? Because that's the only way that God is going to give us the desires of our heart, the the, the desires. I mean, the, the desires that's going to really help us. Okay, there's he, he could give you to Satan, but I'm sure many of you don't want to have to go through a 
unnecessary suffering by the devil to to repent. So let's let's focus on the on the smart way to do it to to get the desires of our heart. Um, Psalm five verse eight. says, lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of my enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. So we should desire to want to be led by God. We should be. We should desire to want to be led by God. Psalm 11, verse 5. The Lord tries the righteous. He, he tests the righteous, folks. But the wicked and him that loveth violence his soul hates. So God is going to test you from time to time. As I was stating, he's going to, he's going to Test you and, and uh, to find out whether or not you you walk in his way. He's going to do that, so don't be surprised when he tests you. Proverbs chapter six, starting in verse twenty-three. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Corrections of instruction, folks, are a way of life. If you don't want to be corrected, then you have a, a serious problem with God because we all have to be corrected. We all have have things that are wrong with us, and we need to uh, repent. And, and notice this scripture. I'm going to read this in the King James Version. It says, For the commandment is a lamp. You know what a lamp is? It helps you to see. And the law is light. You know what that is, right? And reproofs of instruction are the way of life. So the God's commandments help you to to see spiritually, see yourself, and be able to live the true way of life. Uh, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 17. He is in the way of life that keepeth instruction. Uh, verse 16, rather. Let me. Uh, it says, The labor of the righteous tends to life, the fruit of the wicked to sin. He is in the way of life that keepeth instruction, but he that refuseth reproof erreth. So it says that you err, you are in great error when you refuse to be corrected. If you read something in the Bible and you, and you still and you do something opposite of that, then you err. You know this is what the Bible says. You know God doesn't care what you think; He cares about what He thinks and what He wants you to do to obey Him. Uh, Proverbs chapter fifteen, verse fourteen: The heart or mind of him that have understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouth of fools feeds on foolishness. That's an important scripture. And then Proverbs 15, verse 9. The way of the wicked is an abomination unto the Lord, but he loveth him that follows after righteousness. So so God loves those who follows after righteousness. You have to follow after, not run away from it. Uh, Psalm 16. Psalm 16, verse 11. Thou wilt show me the path of life, and thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. And that's where, I don't know about you guys, but hey, I would love to be able to visit the Father and, and the Son and all the angels in heaven. And, and, and his presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand is pleasures forevermore. And then in Galatians 2, verse 20, if we obey him, he will dwell in us. He will, he will spiritually dwell in us. And when he's spiritually dwelling in us, you should have that fullness of joy. And you know, even through my suffering, I have that fullness of joy. I, I I think about him, and it keeps me going. It keeps me alive. It really does. And that's what will happen to anyone. I'm no different than you. I'm just uh, obeying God. And if you just obey God, the same thing will happen for you too. Psalms 25 verse 4. David, uh, he asked God to show me Thy ways, O Lord. Teach me Thy paths. Verse 5. Lead me in Thy truth and teach me for 
Thou art God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. So we need to ask God to to show show him show us his ways and to teach us his paths and ask him to lead us into truth. What's truth? Psalm one nineteen verse one forty two. The law, the teachings of God is the truth. That's what it states there. All right, and John fourteen verse six. John fourteen verse six. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. And the way is the mode or the means. He's the, he's the way to eternal life. And we should all do what he did. And one of the things he did was keep the, 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 the Shabbat and the holy days. And we should do the same thing. And in 1 John 2, verse uh, 6, he says, He that says he abides in him himself, also to walk even as he walked. So we must copy what he did to be a true believer. Now, here's uh, the Bible definition of a righteous man. In Ezekiel chapter 18. Ezekiel chapter 18. Ezekiel chapter 18. Beginning in verse 5. I'm going to read this in the... 1965 Bible and Basic English Version. But if a man is upright, living rightly, and doing righteously, verse 6, and has not taken flesh with the blood for food or given worship to the images of the children of Israel, if he has not had connection with his neighbor's wife or come near to a woman at the time when she is unclean, verse 7, and has done no wrong to any but has given back to the debtor what is his and has taken no one's goods by force and has given food to him who has was need of it and clothing to him who was without it, has not given his money out at interest or taken great profits and turning his hand from evil doing, has kept faith between man and man, and has been guided by my rules, and has kept my laws and done them. He is upright. Life will certainly be his, says the Lord. So that's the definition of a righteous man for those who are wondering. But we get people who complain to God all the time. Um, and back here it says, Have I... Any pleasure in the death, in verse 23 of Ezekiel chapter 18, have I any pleasure in the death of the evildoers, says the Lord? Am I not am I not pleased if he has turned from his way so that he may have life? That's what God wants to do. He wants us to do teshuva, repent, and change. Verse, 20, uh, and verse um, 25. Uh, I, I read verse 24. But when the upright man turning away from his righteousness does evil, like all the disgusting things which the evil man does, will he have life? Not one of his upright acts will be kept in memory, and the wrong which he has done, and in his sin, death will overtake him. Verse 25, but you say the way of the Lord is not equal, and people that disobey God, they don't. I don't know if they realize this or not, but you're telling God that his way is not fair, is not equal. That's what that word means in the original, um, in the original uh, Hebrew. It means, uh, let me take a look at it here. It means... Uh, it's not balanced, uh, yeah. Without truth, you know that's that's what it means. Uh, let me take a look at this here in the Word Study Dictionary. Yeah, so it's saying that it's not equal, and that's not, you know, saying in other words, his, his way is not fair, and and that's you know how how can you say a perfect being's way is not fair? But that's what we do when we, whenever we sin. We're saying the way of the Lord is not equal. 
Hear now, O house of Israel, those 12 tribes I told you about, is not my way equal, not your ways unequal. So this is, listen, this is the prophet Ezekiel, one of the greatest prophets of all time, telling this nation, these 12 tribes, that our ways are not equal. They're unequal. They're unbalanced. That's what he's telling us. Our ways are unbalanced. Ezekiel 18, verse 26. And he says, When a righteous man turns from his righteousness and committeth iniquity and have dies in them, for his iniquity that he has done shall he die. Verse 27. Again, when the wicked man turns from his wickedness that he has committed, and does that which is lawful and right. He shall save his soul alive. And why? Verse 28, because he considers and turns away from all his transgressions, or he does to shew where he repents, that he has committed. He shall surely live. He shall not die. And in verse 29, he's pleading with not only the house of Israel, but all of mankind. But the house of Israel, these 12 tribes, should be leading the world in righteousness, and they're not. Verse 29 of Ezekiel chapter 18, yet says the house of Israel, the way of the Lord is not equal. O oh, house of Israel, are not my ways equal? Are not your ways unequal? Again, this is a prophecy for the end times. The, church, the assembly is based upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Verse 30, Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, says the Lord God. Repent. Teshuvah. Repent. Repent. And turn yourselves from all your transgressions. So iniquity shall not be your ruin. Cast away from you all your transgressions where you have transgressed, and make you a new mind and a new spirit. For why will you die, O house of Israel? Verse 32, For I have no pleasure, no pleasure in the death of him that dieth, says the Lord God. Wherefore, turn, do teshuva, teshuva, teshuva. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live. And that's what I plead. I'm pleading to everyone that's listening to this program to start to repent, change, start to obey the commandments because the great prophet Ezekiel, through the inspiration of God, is telling us that in these end times, our ways are not equal. They're not fair. They're not fair, folks. You know, our ways are unfair. They're wickedness. And we need to repent. We need to repent. So I hope you understand that. And God is pleading with all of mankind. He's pleading with all of mankind. Um, John lived in the way of righteousness, folks, and he commands us to repent. And one of the things that we should do to repent, as he stated in Luke chapter 3, is to give, if you have any extra clothes, give them to, to those who, who have need. And same thing with food. He tells us these things. Uh, let me... Um, find a scripture where it says that John the Baptist lived in the ways of righteousness. Let's see if I can find it here. Matthew chapter 21. Start verse 32. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness and you believed him not. But the publicans and the hardest believed him. <laughs> so he's talking to the Pharisees and the tax collectors and, and the prostitutes believed him. And when, and ye, when you had seen it, repented not afterward that you might believe him. So you know, I'm, you know, I preached the message of John the Baptist, folks, Johanan the Immerser. 
uh, I'm not Johanna Nair Mercer, but I support his message because he's a prophet of God along with the rest of the other prophets. So, you know, I I support his message, and he has a great message. And I, I don't hear too many ministers preaching his message because he preached the way of righteousness. In Luke chapter 3, starting in verse, uh, where is it here? Yeah, I'm going to start right here. Uh, verse 16, Luke 3, verse 16, John answers, saying unto them all, I indeed immerse you with water, or baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose, he shall immerse you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And that baptism of fire, folks, is what's found in Malachi chapter 4, the destruction of all who are evil. And also in Matthew chapter 13, when he comes back and lands his feet on the Mount of Olives on the day of atonement of Yom Kippur, he is going to destroy and annihilate anyone who does not want to obey him at that particular period of time. That process will begin, um, literally. Verse 17, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor. This is what he's talking about here. And will gather the wheat into his garner, but the shaft he will burn with fire unquenchable. Verse 18, and many other things in his exhortation precede unto the people. But Harold, okay, let me uh, go back here. And I want to focus on what he said here, and uh, it says right here, Luke chapter 3, verse 7, Then said he to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him, Luke chapter 3, verse 7, O generation of vipers, who have warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Verse 8, Bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance, and begin not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. Verse 9, and now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. The trees in this context are human beings. Every tree, therefore, which bringeth not good forth, good, bringeth not forth good fruit or good behavior is honed down and cast into the fire. And that's what's going to happen when he comes back, folks. And if you are still on the earth at that time, if you accept the mark of the beast, you are going to be thrown in the lake of fire. And accepting the mark of the beast is simply not obeying God. Verse 10, and the people asked him, saying, you can accept the mark of the beast now before the anti-Messiah comes and not have a place in the kingdom of God. Verse 10, and the people asked him, saying, what shall we do then? He answered and said unto him, he that have two coats, let him impart to him that has none, and he that has meat, let him do likewise. So that's, that's what you should do to repent. And then here's, here's the other things he suggested. And this is the, the man that Yeshua stated lived the way of righteousness. Verse 12, then came the publicans, to be baptized of the tax collectors. And he said unto them, Master, what shall we do? Verse 13, and he said unto them, Exact no more than which is appointed to you. In other words, don't don't charge more than what you should. Verse 14, the soldiers likewise demanded them, saying, What shall we do? And he said unto them, Do violence unto no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content. Be content with your wages. Don't, don't be so, just like, uh, you know, people on my job, uh, my part-time job that I have, uh, sales job. They're wanting to go into the lottery and gamble and, and hope that they win hundreds of millions of dollars. They're not content with their wages. You know, and, and you need to be content with your wages. Uh, be satisfactory. Uh, now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't improve. You know you're getting severely underpaid. Uh, you should uh, improve and, and develop your skills so you can get a better job to support your family. That's not what it's talking It's talking about if you're getting paid a decent wage and it's taking care of your needs and you're still complaining. That's what he's talking about. You know, that's what he's talking about. And you still should be content with whatever you get. I mean, even if you're working in a McDonald's job, there's some people don't have any jobs. So <laughs> there's quite a few people in this country, as I read in the article, 
uh, they have jobs or, or they don't have any jobs. So you should be grateful and appreciate whatever you have, but you should always try to improve so that you can help other people and so that you can take care of your family. All right, so you know that that's the point. I, I wanted to read this one last scripture here, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30. And then I'm going to talk about the basic doctrines of God and, and then summarize them again and, and and implore and encourage you to study them. I I, I uh, did a radio program on each and every one of those doctrines, the six of them, and I hope you, you listen to them and, and, and really incorporate them in, in your lives. And if you have any questions, uh, feel free to email me uh, or you can call me. I think I have my number on my website, and you can ask me questions. Um, good time to contact me is on Friday evenings. And you know Saturday afternoons uh, when I'm not um, fellowshipping with people at the park where I live at. But Deuteronomy chapter 30, starting in verse 19, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your seed may live. So. The whole book of Deuteronomy is a summation of all the, the teachings of God, the foundational teachings of God that God gave Moses to give to the nation of Israel, the nation of Israel's responsibility, the 12 tribes to give it to the rest of the world, which, unfortunately, we have failed up to this point. But anyway, so he says in verse 19, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. So when you obey God, there's blessings. That word blessing in the original Hebrew is a prosperity, okay? And cursing, that, that word is curse. <laughs> Vilification or curse, okay? And you don't want to have cursings for folks. Therefore, choose life that thou and thy seed may live. It is common sense. If you just do things God's way, sure, you'll suffer, but the, suffer, the suffering is going to end up in something good. But when you do something bad, you're not going to get rewarded for your suffering, and you're going to be cursed. So the obvious and logical choice, of course, is to go God's way, but unfortunately we have a lot of illogical people in the world, and they still want to do things their own way. Verse 20, Deuteronomy 30, verse 20, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and thou mayest obey his voice, and that you may cleave unto him. That's what you should cleave to. You don't yoke to people in the world. You yoke to God. You cleave to him. And why? Are those people in the world your life? No. But he is your life. God is your life. And the length of thy days, that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto the fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to them. Please, I encourage you to go over the basic doctrines of God, which is found in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. The first doctrine is repentance from dead works, that you must do teshuva. The second one is trust or faith in God. The third one is the doctrine of immersions. It says baptisms, but it should say immersions. The fourth one is the laying on of hands. The fifth one is the resurrection of the dead. And the last one is eternal judgment. Please, I have those, um, I have those Bible studies in the archives. Please listen to each and every one of those so you'll start to understand the true God of the Bible. So you'll start to learn how to obey the commandments of God so that you'll be motivated you have the foundation to do it. May the great Elohim, that's how you say God in Hebrew, may the great God Elohim bless you and keep you. And Elohim willing, I'll be available to you next week. Shalom. Peace.
Malachi chapter 4. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. 